0: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linway. For tonight's episode, I share with you an interview I did with Chris Wildrick, an artist who spans all types of genres and approaches from paleontology to comic books. So grab a seat and hear what he has to say. It's all coming up. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm here talking to Chris Wildrick. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: just fine. How are you doing, Dave?
0: Uh, good. Levels are good. Um, so, again, like I was just saying to you a couple minutes ago, you know, um, I, I find myself in an interesting position here to be able to just ask you whatever. So, um, you're kind of like an enigma because I, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Um, I didn't realize that was so enigmatic. I
0: I guess, you know, maybe people should just look up your bio more, right? So, um, uh, where where are you from?
1: I am from, uh, I guess I think of myself as being from uh, Easton, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which is a town on the eastern border of
0: Pennsylvania with New Jersey. And you lived there forever? Uh, Well, not forever, obviously, but, you know, until you went to college or...
1: Yeah, from, we. I was born in Philadelphia. We moved to Easton around when I was like one and a half. I lived there till college, and my parents still live there now. So
0: okay, okay. And so, I mean, was your introduction into the arts something that uh, I don't know came about just naturally, or is it is it because you got get wasted in baseball or? Um, I guess I just always liked to draw, and I was just you know drawing standard kid things. And, uh, I like the the thing that I remember doing a lot, like it was a way that I could kind of, uh,
1: what my, my best attempt to be one of the cool kids, maybe where, uh, by by showing off my artistic ability, but, uh, we, we would have these, uh, things in like third grade or something like that where each of us would take like a big piece of paper and, uh, like draw like a fork. And then an army attacking it. It was all like stick figures. So it was just like hundreds of stick figures attacking each other with like little jets and tanks and everything. And so I had some of the best uh, stick figure
0: battles. Nice, nice. And did that get you uh, any kind of yearbook kind of recognition or anything like that? Or is it a little too uh, early?
1: I, I, don't, I don't know if I would go that far, but people thought my battles were cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. And so, I mean, was that something that you kind of continued them as, as you went through high school? Or I, I don't know why, for some reason, I kind of imagine like a, a rebellious Chris Wildrick skunt like, like skater kind of kid that listens to punk music. But I, I could be entirely wrong there. Maybe I, I was I, Maybe in that direction, but I wasn't quite that cool. I was more like a, a, a metalhead kid. Okay. Or like semi-metalhead kid. No, but but I, I I mean I wanted to draw comic books. Like that was my main. Uh, artistic interest and plan, in it and so on. At that, when I was like a teenager, yes. and then and in college, I basically just eventually realized I couldn't draw well enough, so I like, branched off into other things. Huh. And so, I mean, when you when you started that, I mean, was it kind of like a tedious walkthrough of? Uh, and I guess this is something that maybe your students shouldn't listen to, but was it kind of like a tedious walkthrough for those like foundations kind of level courses before you could? I don't know kind of break out and, and kind of get invested into what you, I guess, more, more lean towards now, I guess? No, not at all. I mean, um, well, cause I went to like a, a small liberal arts college,
1: so we, we didn't have the whole, uh, sort of structured foundations experience that like a big art school has. Um, I mean, we had like a couple required drawing classes and that was about it. And then you could just take whatever there was, um. But, no, I mean, I, I really enjoyed all the art stuff I did in college. thought so it was all kind of fun. I was just kind of exploring. I mean, I, I didn't have any plan, like, where I was going to go. And, and I would say, like, through most of college, I still sort of had the idea, maybe, of
0: doing comics or just being, like, a painter of some kind or something like that. Right. And so, I mean, when you, when you graduated, though, I mean, is that, is that still where you kind of left it? Or you, did you have a, a kind of definitive plan? Or was it just kind of to see what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- the year when I graduated, I remember I tried to sort of think, like, okay, well, maybe I should see if I can really put together, like, a, a good comic submission thing. And I, I felt like it was interesting, but I could also tell it wasn't anywhere near, like, what would go, like, would be accepted by a comic publisher. I mean, it, and not even just because of the, the drawing ability or anything, but just, like, I could tell, like, the kind of thing I was interested in drawing at that point it was just not really, like, normal comics anymore. So... I, and that, and that's around when I also was applying to grad school and stuff, and then I just sort of naturally progressed into other things.
0: Well, and and so I mean that, but that was the work that you applied to graduate school with, or then was there something no, else? No, I mean I, I was of? doing
1: plenty like drawing or painting and printmaking of other kinds.
0: Sure, sure. And so when you when you did start graduate school, then it was. It sounds like it was kind of, a, I guess, pretty straightforward, traditional kind of working, or.
1: No, I mean I I had gotten pretty much into I, it was, it was painting, and painting, but it was like and drawing, but it was like uh, very process oriented at that point already. So like I'm trying to think if it was, I, I think I think it's one of the things I applied to for college was uh, like I had sent out all these resumes to I don't know if they were schools or jobs or nothing, uh, but I just had like all these leftover ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just like drawing on the resumes and stuff like that, and like sort of just cutting them up and cutting holes in them, and sort of commenting on and like writing, doing a lot of writing
0: on them, stuff like that. Right, right. So it seems like something, you know, like you're you're at this point just kind of already kind of moving out towards. Uh, I don't know. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I mean, do, do you see any kind of significant point that you kind of? Um, move towards what something that feels like it's more towards what you do now? I mean that – and I guess I mean that at a very base level because obviously that, that kind of thing seems like it happens, you know, over and over. But, um, I mean, was was there anything that kind of made you gravitate towards, you know, the idea of something and, and kind of working through that as opposed to, you know, what, what some some others might just – you know, typically, paint still life, as opposed
1: It's purely aesthetic,
0: right, right, right,
1: right. Yeah. Um, when, well, I'd say the, like definitely by the time I was at, towards the end of college, I was definitely more interested in like the process-based stuff and the sort of just a lot of text art and stuff like that. I mean, it, it had been going on for a while, but I, I, I think one, one thing I had that maybe is sort of the the end of when I was interested in normal drawing, like pictorial or whatever, drawing was, the uh, painting was, like, I, I was just experimenting a lot with different styles, and I had all, like, I was lot of art history, and looking at, you know, how, oh, this, especially, you know, how college kids think of this, oh the, the the cubists, and the foes, and the expressionists, and this and that, and the other thing, and just, uh, thinking, like, in, in, you know, that age, especially, you think, like, style is so important, And so I would, I would paint all these styles and I just felt like in the end, like none of them was natural to me and they were all very artificial. Like I could do any of them equally well and they'd all be equally interesting to me. So style became to me this very artificial thing then. And then in that way, I felt like I couldn't any longer paint anything in a way that felt real or true or natural to me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's all seemed very artificial. So then I started just doing things that no longer dealt with pictures or or that would be, in you know, a very self-consciously, at that time, especially postmodern way of uh, commenting on the picture-making process.
0: Right, right. Process. Well, and again, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really kind of interesting about this, and maybe that whole impetus for me to say, like, to get inside the mind of Chris Wilder, because, I mean, it's just something that I don't, I remember talking to you about, you know what I mean? And I kind of think about it in terms of where I'm at, you know. Um, it just makes me kind of feel silly, I guess, like I'm, I don't know, fo- following this journey towards this I, this idealized thing that in a way, you know, you can easily look at it and go like, yeah, that just doesn't matter. And I can totally understand that, but it's it's weird kind of looking at it from the perspective of being the the person that's chasing after that thing, I guess. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I mean that again was got you know twenty years or whatever ago. I mean, it that was much more you know that it's like a the young man's game of trying to figure out what's real and true. And in the end, it's just like now I just do what I think is I enjoy. (laughs) You know, know, it's not like a I don't feel any challenge to to find
0: any one particular thing or prove anything or anything. I just do the stuff that I like doing. Right, right. different so i wouldn't like if i felt now like doing pictorial painting i wouldn't really care about that that wouldn't be a problem for me anymore. right right. care about it okay okay well and, and so before i before i completely steer us into some crazy direction um so in terms of then your early kind of studying in terms of college um or i guess i should say graduate school then i mean were you kind of in every kind of different facet of, of making, or I mean, did you just kind of move from, you know, what materials would kind of suit your idea the best? Um, how how did you decide that that process, or what kind of things were you thinking about at, at the time? Um. Well, when I started graduate school, I was in the I was in the printmaking department, and uh, I, I liked printmaking
1: because it was such a process oriented kind of thing Uh, so I would make prints and like each time I would alter it and I would again like just keep commenting on it each time I made a new copy of it and stuff like that I was also doing a bunch of like uh, real Russian burgery combines and stuff like that still sort of thinking about style stuff but eventually I moved pretty quickly past that stuff into more sort of direct conceptual performance stuff I guess and then yeah and then it would just be whatever I wanted to work with
0: and you know, and I guess this is just because it's something I just pounded off in my head. I, I'm just kind of curious how far back it goes. But you know, certainly something like branding seems like something that's that's something that you're very interested in. And you know, I, I can I can attest to. I think I've, I've seen you wear like a Coca Cola jacket, right, uh, maybe, right? Maybe some other things. Um, is Is there anything that I guess I don't know? Are there specific kind of subjects or interests that you have? Um, in terms of something like that? Because I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like, where, you know, something like that might come from, because I, I believe that somewhere, is that somewhere in that, that realm where you where you kind of started working with those things, or was that something that you came to later? Or? What was that, the idea of interest in branding? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, kind of, I guess. I, I, I mean, I did make, like, when I was in grad school, I did make, like, a bunch of, like, T-shirts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have just, like, Tons on them and stuff like that, like just text. Um,
0: well, and I think you had a—I a, I thought you had uh, done something where you'd written um, a number of corporations like a, a letter. Right, right. So. <laughs> that,
1: piece, that piece just got lost by pet, or by UPS, actually. Oh, so really? Really? I just reshowed it. Like there was this a uh, show about money in uh, Kansas City, and uh, so I thought, oh, I'll just. Send that out, why not? You know, it's I, it's always been one of my favorites that uh, I haven't shown it, I probably haven't shown it all since grad school. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'll just
2: see if they take it, and they did. So I thought that was kind of fun. And then they lost it when they shipped it back. Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I wasn't insured or anything,
1: so it was just like a total loss. And then uh, the, uh, but one of my friends, I'd given him a copy, of, or I'd given him one of the original letters. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had asked him about it before I sent the piece out to Kansas uh, City, and he couldn't find it. Uh, but then, after I found out that the rest of it was lost, then he found that one letter. Right. So then he was able to ship back that up to me. So now I have one letter that's left out of the entire <laughs>
0: project. So. Well, and, and I guess just because I don't want to, I, I want to get this somewhere recorded. Could you could you talk a little bit about what it is that you did?
1: Um. So I, I wrote to the top, like the Fortune 100 companies in, I uh, America, and uh, I said uh, I understood that according to the ideas of trickle-down economics, that essentially my money was better off, would, would be better for me if it was in their hands than if it was in my hands, because that's the way the economy works. And so I wanted to donate each of these companies a dollar. And so I sent like a check to each company and, and with a letter sort of explaining that. And then, uh, a fair number of them wrote back, I'd say maybe half of them wrote back, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think maybe, maybe only like five cash, cash the check. And then the rest of them returned it. And, uh, Usual, it, what was most fun to me about it was the, the specific letters. Like, they were all written very directly to me. Like, they weren't really, like, form letters or anything usually. And uh, what was interesting was seeing who who wrote the letter back to me. So, was it, like, uh, the legal department of the corporation or the publicity department? Or was it actually, like, the CEO or something like that? So, it was sort of interesting, like, who, who – because I wrote it to the CEO. So, who did they hand it off to to take care of me, wow. basically? Right. So like the uh, the legal department ones are always like, we're not allowed to take your check, please never contact again, kind of stuff. But then the publicity people were really like, you could tell they were sort of more in on it, and like, like, oh, uh, we can't take this, but please use your money to buy some Doritos from our sure, company. Sure. Like, so they were kind of more entertaining, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun project.
0: Well, and, and so you know, you, you talked a little bit about you know the the kind of process oriented work that you're doing, at least initially, in, in kind of printmaking, and you know, kind of branching out of these. Are, are there any other kind of, um, I guess, projects or or kind of things that you took on that that kind of felt like a a real significance at the time, or something that might might have kind of led you towards? I don't know. It's it's because again, from my perspective, because I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not Chris Wildrick. I um. I can't reference all of these different kinds of things. So when I look at it, I'm just kind of like, you know, like, when, when does paleontology begin? When does this begin? You know, and so I'm just kind of...
1: Well, I mean, to me, the stuff that I was really doing around then, which is in the end of grad school, was basically the same stuff I'm still doing now. I don't see it being that radically different. So, yeah, I mean, it just had to do with, like, a... Interacting with different systems, I mean, it became very system oriented, like from like the physical process to the process of investigating a system. And so, paleontology started um, a couple years after grad school, is two thousand one, um, and uh, yeah, so I've been doing it for I guess like what twelve years ish, eleven years.
0: <laughs> so well, it's I'm just there. so funny because it's so casual. Like, oh yeah, I've been I've been doing it this amount of, you know, I've been a mechanic, like I've been a mechanic, you know, for 12 years, yeah. but I'm not yeah. a mechanic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so kind of working on it and, and that, you know, it has different things, like, what I think is so interesting about, like, I don't know, artistic evolution is how, how random it is and how, how based it is on, like, contingent circumstances outside of your plan. So, like uh, like I had these ideas about the paleontology and then I happened to get a show about it. So then I made a bunch of stuff for it or, uh, or like one particular thing for it, actually that, that like that sort of started a bunch of other things. And then, um, and then I kind of did it off and on for a while. And then like, I got, uh, this contact with the museum of the earth, which is a paleontology museum south of where I am now in Ithaca. And, uh, so that's a whole series of opportunities for me to do paleontology stuff that, like, I would have liked to do before but didn't have the chance, so then that became my big focus for a while. So it's, I don't know, I always think, like, it's random things like that that really are what drives you, what becomes your big thing at any one time more than, like,
0: uh, I don't know, what, what your own plans are. Right, right. And so, I mean, do you, I guess, do you do you see it then as an extension of just your regular life, or do you kind of always see yourself in that Artistic lens. Does it make sense?
1: I do think it's becoming more and more a part of my everyday life.
0: Yeah, like I've, it's so interesting because I just you know like yeah I'm just going to go give a lecture but yeah. paleontology or you know um, yeah. is is there anything that you I mean obviously then since I mean we're talking about a lot of time where you know you're exploring these different systems is is kind of the way that you're talking about it I mean is there anything that you kind of, uh, you know, gravitate one way or the other? Because I know that, you know, just from my knowledge, I mean, I, I remember, I've i seen, you know, things that are like, you know, um, about the best tree or, you know, graphs that are like charting the height the height of presidents and, you know, right. it just kind of jumps around so much. I mean, so is it, I mean, are there any particular kind of systems that you've tended to gravitate towards?
1: Usually they've been about... Um, about systems of knowledge, like things that you can know and cannot know, basically. Um, so like the trees is like, you know, and ideas of judgments, so like, you know, what does it really mean to be able to judge a tree? And I mean, on its face, it's a totally ridiculous idea. But then usually what I find when I'm talking to people that they do find ways that they think that you really could judge a tree if you really wanted to. And so then the question becomes, well, can you really judge, you know, which is the best tree in the whole world? I mean, obviously, statistically, that's a pretty impossible thing to do. And so there's this sort of uh, space between, like, the, the intent and the possibility. Or, like, with the, the presidential trivia thing, it was a lot about um, what kind of uh, knowledge you're capable of, of actually learning about all these presidents. I mean, you can sort of, like... Like, it had like hundreds of graphs, so I can base it on all these different things. But it's not, like, well, why those pieces of trivia, not others? And it's because basically those are the ones that have been written down. But like, why do people write down those pieces of trivia? I just think it's sort of interesting, like what kind of facts other people start thinking about? Or like with the paleontology, I think is really, in a lot of ways, the uh, one of the best examples of these because it's about in large part is about what people think dinosaurs looked like and what they act like. Why do we still care about them? Why are they so popular? So when it comes to, like, what dinosaurs looked like, I mean, we don't know. We'll never know exactly. But we have all these clues to it. And so it's this really, really fascinating uh, philosophical puzzle trying to figure out what they looked like because you've got, like, the the actual evidence of the bones. But then the bones are... uh, never complete skeletons, and we don't have, by any means, all the skeletons of all the dinosaurs that ever existed. So this is super, super incomplete record by necessity. It can't ever be more you know, perfectly complete. And then, even though we have the bones, like, you'll never know from the bones exactly what the outside of the dinosaurs looked like. But we do get better and better ideas of it. So there's sort of a question of, like, well, how close to perfection could scientists get to guessing the outside of the dinosaur's body? I mean, they could get closer and closer, but never perfect. And I think that's an interesting thing, like how close to perfection could you get? And then even once the scientists figure it out, then they have to communicate that to the illustrators. So there's another leap in uh, the ability of the information to be transmitted. I mean, there's clearly going to be a gap between the scientists and the, the illustrators. And then between the illustrators and the popular culture, you've got another gap where people are going to make an image and then you know, they send it out on the internet, and people are like, oh, look at that Tyrannosaurus, but it's really a Carnotaurus or whatever, so you get, like, like you know, misunderstandings, and some artists are better than others, technically, so there's issues, there's some others that artists just know more about, like, uh, what dinosaurs really are supposed to look like, based on what the scientists say, and some don't care, so you get this really big miasma of different ideas of what dinosaurs look like out in the popular culture that people then base their ideas on, so this, I, I just really like that space of uh, between what people think and what reality
0: was, and, and I mean, is that something that you kind of can look at in, in terms of kind of the other things that you're interested in? That that kind of kind of seeing those systems that kind of work, because it seems like again, you know, um, you know, just some of, some of the things that you're kind of working through in terms of how, you know, like A X affects B affects C. Um, I mean, is that something that you kind of look? at I don't know very it seems like you could look at that that a lot of things in in life at at that in, in that kind of way you know the way that certain relationships affect other relationships yeah yeah well, I do well and I'm and I'm, well, and I'm just, just kind of curious know. well no I mean I'm just kind of curious what that what you know what what drives that you know um I mean are are you interested then I guess in terms of the way that it might be read or or the way that you can kind of turn it towards, um, you know, an audience to kind of maybe, uh, consider some of those things, or is it, is it kind of just for your own kind of personal exploration?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think that's the content that I want, or at least partially what I want people to get from the work often, yeah. And it seems like that usually comes through, I mean, when I talk to people about my work, they seem to tend to get that fairly quickly,
0: honestly. Well, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. Well, no, no, because I mean, um, you know, that's something that you know, and, and I've talked about this, you know, time and again with, with just random people, you know, um, that's something that seems like, you know, like you're saying before, um, you know, like at this point, you just kind of make stuff, you know, and it seems like this idea of who your audience is is such a very important thing for, you know, a certain point in and kind of an education system. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious where, you know, that kind of separates into something else where, where it's just, you know, how do you decide what, what you're going to communicate or, or how, you know, interested you are in terms of affecting certain things. You know, you've talked a little bit about, um, you know, politics and I don't know, I, this is all actually part of an interview to, uh, weed out all the, uh, really liberal, um, scary minded people, um, but I mean, is are, are there any kind of political interests that you have in terms of what you what you do? Not artistically, really. No. No. It's
1: more. I, I think my interests are basically. That, I, I mean, I would say they're philosophical, and they're. I mean, I think a lot of in a lot of ways, what I, I guess what I try to do with my art, in the most basic sense, is try and I think it was like a transmission of the spirit in a
0: sort of very Hegelian way, or just. Of trying to get across what you feel and think and how you see the world to other people. I mean, it's a very classic kind of art idea. Sure, sure. Really. Well, and, and I guess in, in terms of following that up, I mean, do you, do you feel that there's any kind of difference for you know the kind of work that you might make for a, a gallery space as opposed to a, a public space? Um, is it, uh, like, like, what do you mean by public space? Well, I mean, so, something that isn't a traditional kind of gallery setting at a, a university or, you know, um, in some gallery district or a museum or something like that, something that, you know, might be more, um, I guess, interactive or a, a lot more casual in terms of the way that people might approach it. Um, and, and I guess that could be, you know, also interpreted too. And I know that you've also been, uh, that you've done performance kind of based pieces. Um, and so, you know, I'm just kind of curious what that, what that relationship is like. And also this is coming from a, a Uh, out-of-gallery context, printmaking graduate student of, like, 2006. So there's probably some of of that in there, too.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, I think that I I wouldn't show different kinds of art, but the way I do it is different in the sense that, uh, like, a lot of times I'll do a performance in a public place where it's interactive and I'll, like, gather, like, let's say paleontology again, for example. Like, I'll gather, I'll do these interactive performances with people and gather data ask people about dinosaurs and whatever and then I'll collate all that data and then I show the results in the gallery. So it's the same piece, but it's just different parts of, like, the beginning and end of it, I guess. Okay. And no. they're just, I mean, they're just based on, you know, whatever, to me, makes the most logical what, whichever is the most logical context to do it. So, I mean, I like having the very direct interaction with people in public when I can. I mean, I do those things in galleries,
0: too, but galleries are a better place to stick the stuff, along with, like, the web, web and whatever, too, mean you know? Sure. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, and I guess, um, you know, and this, this is probably something that's kind of universal just for art, artists in general, especially the, I guess, I don't know why I, I kind of recognize like people that I know as kind of like these blue collar artists that are just kind of like quietly making good work somewhere and, and kind of getting recognition you know from from time to time but I mean um, I guess you know partially I'm just interested just because it seems like there's so many so many things that you're invested in terms of like thinking about the system that I'm, I'm just kind of curious what you know if there's any if, if there's specific projects that you kind of feel really I don't know, kind of really got people's attention in certain ways as opposed to other ones. And I know that obviously, you know, just in, in terms of looking at some of the things that you've done, I mean, they're very, very different approaches, you know. And just, I mean, even in the images that you showed me, there was, a, I believe, some kind of interactive piece where there was a video feed and um, somebody that was that was bent over. So, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, again, like I, I'm just kind of curious what, what that interest is or, or if it's something that can kind of change. Because, you know, again, looking at it from a, a silly painter's perspective. I'm just kind of like, well, the person always just walks up and just looks at that, you know. So, you know, I, I'm I'm kind right. of thinking about well, like, is there a different contexts or different things that become effective or interesting for you?
1: And, well, I mean, so that was from a, a, a series called uh, "Art for Animals," and uh, the idea there was is to see like what kind of art animals might like, mm-hmm. and because I think it's sort of speciesist. To just make art for people, and so um, th- these are, those are sort of experiments. The sort of the beginning process of figuring that out. So again, it's, to me, it's about like the, the philosophical distance. That like we have very different cognitive, perceptual uh, capacities and, and structures than, than animals do. What any other every animal is different than every other animal, and so we'll never really know what it would be like to be in an animal's head and see and think what they. They think so. The idea of trying to make art for them is an interesting philosophical challenge to me. Like to think what they would like, and so um, these project, like the one in there, was a very literal version of it, where uh, it's trying to get people to think what it would be like to be an animal, basically. And so there are these different carts uh, where, if you lie down on them, you'd have like one you'd be lying down at, like a cat's eye view, one you'd be lying in a dog's eye view. And another one, there's, like, stilts where you'd be up at the height of a caged bird. And then each of them had a little video camera on it, and that video camera transmits to this TV. And so uh, the people on the carts could literally see what it would be like to see from the point of view of a cat, say. And then if you looked at the TV, you could also see what those people were seeing on the cart. So sort of two ways to see the, the cat's point of view, basically. Sure, sure. So to me, it's the exact same thing. It's the dinosaurs. It's, it's maybe, like, a, a more more visceral kind of experience uh, than the stuff that I do with the dinosaur stuff, because those are more like, I guess, you know, like forms and whatever I have people do, but it's still like me, and I'm, I'm right there in the gallery talking to people and saying, you know, oh, here, you want to try this thing, and whatever, so it's all, to me, it's all about the personal interaction and them trying stuff out, and we talk as they do it, so the to me, in a lot of ways, the conversation is the art.
0: Right, right. Well, yeah. And, and it kind of leads me into kind of a weird level of questioning, just because I know that like I believe there was another like series of photographs that you did, kind of in relationship to your cats.
1: Right, where like the Rory. Yeah, like, yeah. Shark
0: tests. Well, right, it, right. It just yeah. well, it just kind of makes me wonder too. Then I mean, it, it seems like a, a very it's like an early version. Right. Well, it's just like a like trying to empathize with with something or trying to see it from something else's perspective, and it seems like a lot of that is is. Yeah, trying to put people in that context where you're kind of looking at it from this perspective that you don't, I guess, normally think about it. I don't know. or, or I don't know. It's like a different different kind of perspective.
1: Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I mean, because that's all, I mean, if, if, if in a lot of ways what I'm interested in is the philosophy of understanding and knowledge, I mean, that's all, like, seeing people from people's perspectives is, like, a big part of that. Like, understanding how you see the world differently from someone else's point of view. Sure, sure. And, and, and then to understand with going back to systems that, like, in a lot of cases, a, a, any context is governed by the system that, that it's organized in. And so you need to really or understand the system to understand that situation. And in a lot of cases, you realize, oh, well, all these different situations are really fairly uh, analogous to each other when you abstract it to the level of whatever system it is.
0: Right, right. Well, and, and so, you know, obviously, then um, I'm, I'm guessing that you um, have, have a, a decent level of research. And, and before you answer that kind of like, you know, little legitimate, you know, stuff, um, you're going to have to answer all the, the stuff that maybe might be questionable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess I was, I guess I was saying, you know, um, you know, what is it that you, what, what is it that you kind of look at in terms of reading? And then I guess to follow up from that, what, what, uh, I guess, alternative sources that, that might not be a very traditional thing, i.e., I don't know, Red Dawn or, or something of a, a pop culture kind of nature. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, how that relationship works where you've got, you know, a, I think a pretty good good understanding of our historical kind of context of things, but then also you're kind of looking at it through this lens of somebody that's, you know, very contemporary or, or somebody that's, you know, probably, I guess, I don't know, realistic. I guess in terms of the way that they're kind of looking at the world in terms of today's context. I don't know. I could just be, might be loftily kind of throwing that out there. Um, Okay. (laughs) Well,
1: so kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I I used—I'd say I used to read quite a bit of like direct philosophy and art theory and whatever, and uh, and and literature. And I guess I feel like I read more and more in the realm of literature and, and nonfiction that's not art-related. So, like, well, paleontology books and stuff like that, obviously. But then, uh, oh, like, history and political theory and whatever. I and mean, more just, like, stuff that I'm interested in, I guess, basically. And uh, a lot of, like, I feel like, I, I guess if I'm going to get, like, an intellectual... Uh, The the degree to which you get, like, intellectual uh, stimulus or ideas or inspiration or whatever, it comes more from, like, from fiction and from random, like, science and history and whatever than stuff that's that's art specifically. Right. Um, And then in terms of, like, other stuff, yeah, I I don't know. Movies and...
0: Sure, sure. uh, Comic books and whatever, yeah. Well, and I guess I I guess you know, like, in terms of then... I don't know, it seems like, again, that, that kind of, that to me anyways, it, it sounds like it kind of reiterates that idea of, you know, not really being true to some kind of particular, you know, thing, that you can kind of, I don't know, feel like there's some kind of inspiration or some kind of interest from, you know, any little thing that might kind of pop its head up, you yeah. know what I mean, D- depending on what whatever source it is, so.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways right now, what I'm becoming more and more interested in is... Uh, just sort of cultural production in general and, and not even thinking about things as art or design or what have you, but just like cultural production and, and how everyday people are involved in that. I mean, I, um, I had mean, always been interested in like, uh, or not always but for, for a long time interested in, uh, like so the last you know, comedians were doing really interesting stuff like Annie Kaufman, for instance. And mm-hmm. I think we used to talk about that a little bit, but, uh, and and like with, with Kaufman, what what I had always liked was it how he did like, especially with like the wrestling. He would just go out and do this thing, and it was to him. I would say he probably thought of it as something similar to performance art, uh, but to other people, it was like comedy or or wrestling or something. And uh, but and, and so the more I think about it, I just think of it as just like it's just cultural production in one way or another stuff that, that's part of culture. Uh, and now I I just think because of the way, uh, like with blogging and all, you know, tumblers and this and that. And the other thing, like people put all kinds of stuff on the internet now that is, to me, essentially the exact same thing as like conceptual art. Like it's just like this thing I do, you know, like some guys, like this guy makes like a pancake art okay. <laughs> that's really cool. He's like, and a lot of these guys I think are interesting. They're like uh, designers, it seems to me, and then they do some kind of cool art thing that uh, takes off on blog. So this one guy makes like pancake art, and I just think that's awesome. And it's like. I don't think he would necessarily be considered a fine artist, but I don't really care. It's just sort of part of culture in an interesting way. It, it's you know it's creative. Um, it makes other people interested in what he's doing. Uh, he's thinking about it, uh, or like uh, just the other day I saw on NPR this guy who's also a designer part time, and then part time he makes food art. So he makes these, like, uh, Rice Krispie Stonehenge things so, with, like, carved <laughs> broccoli and cauliflower. And it's, like, it's awesome. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's, like, it's so much better than, like, 99% of what's called art. Right, right. Yeah, the, there's a lack of pretension about it and a nice degree of democratization of it in, in like, a small deal. Like, just that anyone can do it and anyone can put it out there. And it's not intended to make a career out of it or anything. It's just, like, this this is thing I do. And so I guess... When I say that I'm just trying, I just do things I like. I, I hope I am trying more and more to become like that in a lot of ways. i sure. just not
0: uh, trying to leave away all the trappings of artificiality that I think the art world often puts on artists in order to have us think we have careers. Well, and it kind of brings up two questions. Um, just that that oh well, I don't know one of, one of them will kind of drift off a little bit, but um, you know I've I've kind of made it a point at least to some. Try to get most people to kind of answer like you know what, whether or not you feel like it's something that's a worthwhile endeavor. You know, kind of uh, this idea of promoting art or kind of looking at, at making things. And it seems like you should be in a in a particularly straightforward camp. I mean, I, I'd imagine that you you believe in that.
1: Yeah, I like making stuff.
0: Yep. Well, no, but I mean, not not just you, yeah. but I mean, just just what, in general, it, me, like like encouraging people. I mean, what um, I mean, that's something that h- how do you is that something that you think kind of um, I guess reinforces what you do? I mean, to try to get other people to kind of, you know, follow follow into this world that um, I don't know. I guess in a way you can kind of see all these relationships of things that maybe if you didn't follow down that path, you might just kind of have a tunnel vision in terms of life. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think I encourage people to do these small creative things, and make it part of their life, basically. Yeah. and. I mean, in a way that gets back to the idea that I was saying earlier about this, like transmission of the spirit is just sort of like a sharing process. That's what art making is me in a lot of ways. It's, it's like, you're just giving this sort of generous gift to people like here, here i made this, let's, let's share in it basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, mean, and, and so this is like what the, some of the things I sent you, like the, uh, the one that's called OE, this is, uh, uh, I'm a member of this uh, comic book website. And so what I'm doing on there is just engaging in what I think of as like a really interesting form of cultural production. Because like this website is basically like a wiki, and so it's like uh, the largest comic book wiki on the web. And so they just like write down facts about characters and issues and whatever. And so it's just like a bunch of, you know, it's like 100,000 people are members of this thing, and they just... uh, for free, you know, just write stuff about the thing they like on the web, and it, as an aggregate, it creates a really large database that's available to everyone to read, and I think that's just an interesting cultural thing, like, like on their part, is an act of generosity, like, there's no reason they should do it, they just enjoy it, and they enjoy sharing in it, and so it becomes a very communal thing, and, and it's just a, a different form of cultural production, even though it's sort of a... Symbiotic on that, what you think is the, the real cultural production of the actual comic books, but, like, they're really making something to these fans. So I'm just doing exactly what they're doing, and that
0: just, that's one of my arguments. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, because, you know, I have, um, you know, certainly for, for anybody that, that kind of pays attention to, you know, politics, um, you know, they had the, the sofa bills and, and all that recently. I mean, in, in terms of the way that, I guess, regular people, what we kind of think of as regular people, really are artists, then, I mean, what do you, I guess, what do you see in the, inter- it's a very easy, it's a very straightforward question, but what do you see in the internet that's, that's uh, I don't know, so expansive in terms of the way that, you know, like, obviously, you're talking about, you know, being part of this, you know, uh, comic book kind of related, you know, website. I mean, you can kind of bridge all these different boundaries in terms of where people are from. What are, I mean, what do you what do you think of in terms of, the Internet in terms of the way that it kind of, I don't know, really shapes, I guess, the way that our society works, I guess now, you know, in, in a way that I just, you know, it's, it's weird because I have students that I, they have no idea. Like, there was this time where you just didn't have this this thing where you could be like, what time is the movie? I'm just going to type this in and find out, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting way to kind of, I mean, you can... Um, and even even this, I mean, there's uh, to to reference a uh, click and clack. I mean, I think there's 26 people that listen to this podcast, but um, it is possible to kind of I don't know have an audience that isn't just your local audience. I mean, what 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 kind of possibilities do you find in terms of the internet?
1: Well, I do think it, it's it is it's about it's uh, like the democratization of it that anyone can get on it, put stuff out there, and then. And not just they can do it, but then they could theoretically have a, you know, big audience potentially if for whatever reason, it gets picked up. It's just a
0: nice thing. Oh, sure. But, I mean, you know, I mean, in, t- in terms of, like, like, it seems like it, it would be something that would offer you a lot of opportunities in terms of the way that you could, you know, I guess even interact with other people, you know, that that might, you know have been not entirely different, you know, ideas from what you're interested in, but certainly from different places of the world. I mean, is is it, do you take it on any kind of interest in terms of projects like that, or? Um, Well, I mean, on the comic website, I mean, I do post and whatever, converse with people about that. But, I mean, just from the point of view, like, of of a fellow comic book fan, like, I don't talk to them about it as being art. I just talk to them about
1: comic books. Right, Um, right. And uh, I have been thinking, and I've gotten around to doing some of the paleontology surveys online. There's some, like Survey Monkey or whatever. Um, but I haven't really used it as uh, as a direct audience kind of thing.
0: Well, it's 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 it, it's kind of a, a weird thing, but I just immediately, for some reason, not immediately, but um, sort of thinking about you almost in terms of like an inspector gadget. Like in terms of in terms of like kind of filling in all these different these different kinds of roles, um, and I mean I, I think obviously it sounds like 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 comic books um, are things that obviously interest you, um, but I mean are there are there things that you that you become interested in because because it's more of that kind of artistic idea or things that you're just kind of a fan of or is it always kind of both or. Uh. I guess
1: it's the idea that usually leads me to it. Um, I mean, the comic thing is like part of a bigger, like geek culture project. Like the, I, I guess I first started thinking about last year where, uh, we went to this, uh, local play museum and we saw the, they haven't had this, like all these, uh, guys in this, uh, star Wars thing there where they're all dressed up in these costumes. And so these guys, they're like a charity organization. Like they show up at, at events and, uh, and some more people then show up because they see the Star Wars people Uh, so it's like the motive for it is charity but like these guys all make their own costumes and they're like incredible costumes I mean like craft wise far better than anything I've seen anyone do in art school and so it's just like again these are total hobbyists like it's not like this is their job like this is what they do you know after their jobs they make like better than the movie versions of the costumes and I mean, that literally, like, their, their rules on their website are that, like, you can't make it as crappy as the movies do. It has to be better than that. Right, right. And so, uh, I just got really interested in the idea again of, like, these people, and the generosity of this, and, and, and the anonymity of it, too, that, like, because they're wearing their helmets and whatever, so, like, they're just standing there, and kids are having their picture taken with them or whatever, and on the one hand is, like, this, this, uh, act of, like, pride. You're, like, I made this thing, this thing is awesome take my picture, but it's like, but you can't take a picture of me, you're taking a picture of my costume. Right, right. So you know, it, it's very personal, but very uh, impersonal at the same time. I just thought that was really interesting. And, uh, so, so I do plan to make a Stormtrooper costume at some point and test my, you know, art professor, art skills against these guys, random art
0: skills, and see who comes out better and, and join their group eventually. But uh, Well, and it's, it's interesting, too, because there, there's a nice tangent here, but um, um, since I'm a, a pretty... Huge lost uh, nerd. Um, not that I have figurines or anything. Um, there, there is somebody that has that has taken the time to like entirely reproduce certain sets. Oh, wait. but it's it's abs- it's just amazing, like how much people, how much attention to detail. Like you're saying, I mean, somebody might put into something like that. It's it's just incredible, like how how much more thorough it would be than if you got it in in kind of an art school environment, you know?
2: Um,
1: yeah, well, because yeah, there's lost wikis, there's Star Wars wikis. Right, right.
0: I remember the first time, like, I think my, I think it's when I started telling my kids about Star Wars, and so, uh, and, and I hadn't watched
1: the movies in a long time, we were just, I forget what would have brought it up originally, but they started asking me questions, like, oh, Dad, tell us about this, tell us about that, and I was like, I don't know. So I would have to look it up, and I didn't even realize at the time, like, oh, my God, there's, like, these enormous Star Wars wikis, and it's like, I, you know, each page of one character is like, you know, it would probably be like a 30-page paper. And, again, yeah, like yeah, it's brand random people and, and, and they do it at a level of quality because they care about it probably better than they do in their real jobs. And so, I just thought that was interesting and that, that's sort of what led me eventually to the comic book thing. I mean, because that one was more like I can actually contribute to this where I wouldn't be able to do it as easily like a Star Wars. Sure, sure. Or like, and the other comic thing that I'm doing too then is like a, which is then like a non-internet thing is uh, I'm going to start this Friday. So I'm very excited. This is going to uh, uh, just work in a comic book store and organize their comics. Cause they have all these like back issues in the back uh, closet, essentially that are totally disorganized. So <laughs> I'm just going to go a couple hours every week and help them organize his comics, which is going to be good for him
0: because he gets to sell them online. Right. Uh, so it's like a real, like, you know, benefit to his business. Uh, but then, for me, it's, like, an artwork, so it's, like, it's good for both of us, so it's sort of interesting. Does it say anything, like, touched by Chris Wildrick or handled by Chris Wildrick?
1: I was thinking I might ask him to, like, put up a little plaque that says, like, yeah, comic <laughs> organized
0: by Chris or something like that. Right, right. right. We, we did not have, like, right now, have a faculty show that's going up, so I'm going to have the little thing in, in that show saying, like, oh, go over to Cloud City Comics that <laughs> I organize the comics. There, sure, basically. sure. Um... Well, and it's, it's you know, not to get too far back, but um, it's interesting listening to you talk about, um, you know, things like Star Wars and, and con- kind of compiling all these histories that are fictional histories. Um, and even to kind of think about the way that, again, um, and again, this, this could turn into another hour-long spiral, but I, that's why I don't want to go down there. But, I mean, in terms of the way that technology kind of moves um, and the way that there might be a time where it's very hard to distinguish one like a reality from a virtual reality. Um, it's kind of interesting what you might think of then in terms of history or the way that it could be altered or, or kind of changed or I don't know, like I I could see a time in the future where people just have no semblance of real history. Um, where they're kind of just stuck with, you know, jingles and, you know, bad star Wars, uh, films. Um, but, again, that's done. So, um, I have... Well,
1: another thing <laughs> Star Wars is, like, uh, this guy I was just reading about the other day has, uh, I guess, for some time now been coming out with uh, Star Wars movies that are, like, uh, I guess they're sort of, like, documentaries about Star Wars and they're just, like, edits of Star Wars movies and then he, like, uh, he's a professional, like, movie editor mm-hmm. um, and he also just, like, he likes the movies and then he sets, like, inserts out of the things to, like, explain it. So it's just, like, a commentary on it, like, a, an explanation of all the different things that's going on in the movies. And uh, I guess they, like, you can't sell them, but they, you know, they go, um, they're super popular. But, I, again, to me, like, that's an example of just, like, you know, people making stuff because they feel like it.
0: Well, and it's, it's weird to me because I think it's something that I think of that will never die, but it certainly will. I mean, like Star, like Star Wars interest. You oh, know? I mean, Star Wars! Yeah, I, mean, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, well, just anything. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, they had the the big three D release last week um, of their, I you know, like the George Lucas re envision kind of first oh, okay. film, um, three D, yeah. which is great because I don't I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, Red Letter Media reviews those films and a number of other films and just films in general. Um, they're quite funny in terms of how it ab- they absolutely kind of destroy anything that they're reviewing, usually. Um, but it's it's just interesting to me in terms of, like, a, a cultural thing, then, because, like, at what point does it become, like a, like, a moot point, you know, where just nobody cares about this thing anymore? You know what I mean? Because it's it seems like there's all these things that can kind of build up into it. And I guess I, I should say it's not like a just a Star Wars thing, but just like a you know, like a branding thing, you know, you could talk about Transformers or, you know, other kind of aspects of sci-fi culture. I mean, is that stuff that, I don't know, can you can you imagine this being, I don't know, some some kind of a part of an identity that gets carried out, like, beyond a, a certain generation? or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am interested in how sci-fi tropes through evolve. I mean, my one other thing things starting this week is I'm going to start writing a sci-fi novel tomorrow. I don't really know what it's going to be about yet, but I know the title is Psychic Dinosaurs in the Future.
0: Right, well, um, uh, and I saw and, that two that, that image. Um. Uh,
1: and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I haven't written it, so that was the best I could give you there. <laughs> so far. But, uh, but uh, I, I thought, like, like, my idea with it to a degree at least is that it's going to have something to do with, like, trying to recycle a lot of genre fiction tropes in it somehow. But it's... But not like in a kind of weak, wink, knowing way, but like in a way that, that works and still makes them viable, basically. But I mean, sci-fi in general has been around for, you know, I, I would guess close to 100 years, maybe not quite. Well, no, no longer than that, certainly with Jules Verne or whatever. But, um, but you know, things evolve from one thing to another. I mean, you know, people still read, like, say, Mom, and Burn and stuff like that to one degree or another, mm-hmm. but they're not nearly as popular as they used to be.
0: But uh, interesting, interesting.
1: I'm gonna give you a two-minute warning, then I have to go.
0: Okay. Um, well, let's see then. So I guess just because because uh, I can't ask. Well, I could ask you two things very quickly. Um, okay. What's something that people should go see right now? What do you mean? Like I don't know somebody somebody to see an artist uh, a show or something like that 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 maybe you found interesting. Yeah. Um, okay well to follow that up um <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll skip it I, I wish we could have gotten to to ban stuff because i again um i'd love to hear all, all about that kind of stuff but um i guess just the last thing is is there anything that you um have kind of going on that you would like to talk about in terms of promotion um any kind of projects that are coming up or current that
1: I think this is stuff that i'm talking i was talking about this stuff i'm interested in this, this sort of geek culture stuff is the newest thing okay and then continuing with uh, the dinosaurs and the animal stuff those are my main things
0: i guess okay well how about this what what music should i listen what what, what music should i look for when i when i go to free music archive and try to find uh, something to kind of put your introductions in there um
1: That for Chicken Man, again. Moldy peaches.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll see. If, I'll see what I can do. I might get copyright. I'm, I'm worried about that copyright stuff, which is why I go to this this place. But I'll see what I can do.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I don't,
0: what, what kind of stuff is on it? Oh, I, it's weird. I basically just kind of search through it based on these conversations that I have. So, I'll pick up some kind of buzzword that gets kind of repeated, and then just randomly search. In this okay. big like fifty, it's like fifty thousand songs. This free music archive.
1: Okay. Well, you, br- you can be, maybe you can find some like good old like fifty uh, sci-fi like Thurman music or something okay. like that. Okay. Okay. Well, soundtrack kind of stuff that would be good.
0: All right. Well, um, again, it's been a, a great chatting with you and uh, getting inside your world, and it'll be interesting to see w- what comes out. So.
1: Thanks, Dave. It was fun.
0: I, I had a good time. All right. Good conversation. Yep. Take care. Well, thanks again to Chris Wildrick for joining us at Studio Break. You can find out more about his work by visiting chriswildrick.com. Again, if you haven't checked out Studio Break on Facebook, you can become a fan. Uh, Please leave us some feedback. And uh, again, if you prefer, you can go to iTunes, check under Podcasts, and search Studio Break and subscribe there. As you can guess, I try to do the best that I could in terms of finding a sci-fi space sound request. So we have Mr. Fab and his bag, the song called Thereminning. Again, you can find that track at Free Music Archive, along with all sorts of other stuff. If you're listening to Studio Break for the first time, remember that you can visit studiobreak.com to see all past artists that have participated. Again, you can check out their work, listen to their episode, and please, please leave us some feedback there at Studio Break. You can find out more about my work by visiting davidlinaway.com. Again, I welcome all kinds of emails and feedback. It's nice to know that there are people listening. With that being said, I would highly recommend, again, for anybody in the Peoria area to check out the Peoria Art Guild, check out Michael Willie and Tim Roby's show. Both exhibitions run until March 1st. That's all we've got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed listening. Again, please leave some feedback. And we'll talk to you real soon.